Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers. And most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is a ministry of striving for eternity in the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Well, welcome to another edition of The Rap Report. I'm your host, Andrew Rappaport, and today we are going to be talking about exactly what the doctor ordered, and that is going to be Prescribed Truth with Jamal Bandy. He is currently, as we record this, the newest podcaster on the Christian podcast community, and I say the newest, but... Jamal, I got news for you. I don't think you're holding that title for very long because there's about six podcasts right behind you that are looking to get into the community, and I think you're going to lose the title as newest podcaster very soon. So welcome to the Rap Report. Hey, thank you, Andrew, for having me on. It's good to be here. And look, we need to milk that newest one as long as we can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you got you you've been out you've been doing podcasting for a while you've actually been doing it on YouTube that you then turn into a podcast. Correct. Yeah, I, I started off on YouTube with um, Prescribed Truth, We're doing mostly mostly short form content. Um, then I moved into doing podcasting, uh, you know, just mostly just on video, um, and then eventually moved to doing audio. And so we're, we're going to talk about your podcast. I want to talk about the name, Prescribed Truth, how we got that. But first, I want you to just introduce yourself to, to my audience because some folks may not know who you are. Some folks may not have watched your woke video. Um, we'll have to get to that, too. You, you, I shouldn't give inside jokes without explaining them, but we will get to that later So, because that was very funny. Um, but let's, let's first talk about you, your background, where you came from, because I know folks who may have heard you on the Five Solas podcast, they heard your background a bit. Uh, the, you have a very interesting background, so we won't have time to go into as much as, as James and you went into, so people should go check right. that out. But give a little bit about your background, the church that you, uh, that you were in and had left and why 
All right. So, um, so I started off going to a mostly uh, Pentecostal uh, charismatic type church. Um, it was back in 2009. And it turned out to be a cult. And I, and I say it turned out to be because I believe the pastor probably had good intentions in the beginning, um, but got caught up with greed. Um, he's very manipulative in how he led his flock. We was all young and we didn't know the Bible. We didn't, we didn't read. We didn't study. You know, there was no gospel preaching and none of that kind of good stuff. And, um, and so it just got really bad. And you're not going into a long, uh, detailed story on it. But eventually he passed away. And that's what caused the church to split. And um, at that time, we were all lost. Like we saw him as our spiritual head, you know, uh, without him, we didn't have any guidance. And so a lot of us, well, a lot of us, as far as a church split and, you know, uh, most people went back to the world, as we would say, or just went to other false churches. But God, by his grace, just I, I began to question Christianity. Um, but the Lord let, you know, dealt with me. And I believe it was the Lord. I, you know, I didn't hear the gospel, but I do believe it was the Lord that was guiding me at that time that I didn't, that the Bible didn't come by that pastor. So um, I just felt compelled to just study the word, just read and see what was actually in the word versus what he was teaching. And I began to see a lot of things that was wrong. And that's what brought that. And other than that was just the trajectory that Lord just had me on and just bring me to the truth. And it was in 2013 when I finally would hear the gospel and the Lord would save me. So, um, you know, as you said, my name is Jamal Bandy, of course. I have, I'm I've married uh, two children, a six-year-old and a two-year-old in September. You know, yeah, so yes, we are. So I just, ever since then, just, just striving for the truth. Versus striving for eternity. Wait, oh, wait that's a different ministry. Um, <laughs> striving for the truth <laughs> headed towards eternity. <laughs> there you go. Combination. So I, I had someone that actually, uh, we were talking about your podcast, and it was Dwayne Atkinson from the Bar Podcast. If You know, I know you know who he is. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it was really funny because what ended up happening was we he and I were were talking and I I was explaining your podcast and he's he's like wait is that the one with the pill on it the the the, <laughs> the logo with the pill and I was like yeah you know and it's, I guess that your logo must stand out for folks that they they remember that because uh, you have a pill and it it has on there Ephesians 425 mm-hmm. um which says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So it's kind of, for folks to understand why you may have come up with this, here your, your, your background kind of explains a bit with the leaving the church you were part of. And I love the, the way you guys, you, you do it with the, you know, this is what the doctor prescribes, the truth. So... <laughs> Oh, yeah. So let's let's talk about your your podcast a bit. Why did you get into this? I I know it had to do with some of your background, but why start this and why prescribed truth? Okay, so the the initial start. Um, so in the midst of when I was in a cult, and I, I mentioned the pastor passed away, um, but when he passed, a close friend of mine passed. A, a couple of my close friends passed away as well, along with the church. Um, and so, and he was one of the people that. I brought along with me to that church. And so it it was just, you know, from, from that experience and just after coming to the truth of the gospel and understanding that apart from Christ, there is no salvation apart from trust and belief in Christ alone, there's no salvation. And we, we was heavily works based and we believed in our own righteousness. And um, so I, from there, I was just like, man, I really, I know there are other churches who are suffering like this. 
Um, there are other there are other people in churches who are under leadership that are manipulative and you know teaching and teaching falsely and on purpose. You know, I, I do give I try to give some leniency to people who are you know who are generally teaching what they believe is the truth. They're just misled. You know, but there are those who are very manipulative. They know what they're doing, and I wanted to be able to just to go through the scripture and share that truth to people so to try to help them come out of that and not and not let it be something that's traumatic to happen to have them leave the church like what happened to me. And um, so that's uh, what made me want to start doing it. As far as the uh, title and, and getting into um, prescribed truth, it was a while back in another church I was at where um, <laughs> we was hosting this kind of like this uh, this cafe type deal. And um, the guy called it the gospel. You know, like he had a he called he, he wanted to call the cafe the pharmacy. And so like people come when they're sick, they come to get some medicine. And uh, and I remember making a flyer for it, and I call it the gospel. Come get the gospel, and that's what made me. I thought about that years later. I was like, you know what? I remember that. I said, but I don't want to call this a pharmacy. I said, but that, but you know, like, but this what this is. Like, I'm, you know, like, there's errors. People are sick with errors. You know, and the Bible concerning us tells us concerning our sin, we are sick. Our heart is sick. You know, and but our only doctor is God. Like, 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 he's our God. So I was like, well, I want to be able to prescribe. I want to, I want to be able to distribute this truth that a doctor prescribes, you know? And so that's kind of how that carried on. And Ephesians 425 was like, my go-to passages encouraged me as far as speaking truth, even when it's tough. Well, you know, let's, I want to talk about some of the issues, some issues you talk about on your show. Um, but first let's, let's play a commercial for a new podcast. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 Therefore laying aside falsehood Speak truth each one of you with his neighbor For we are members of one another For his name's sake What's up everybody? I'm Jamal Bandy, the host of the Prescribed Truth Podcast Where I seek to distribute the truth That the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today The Lord graciously brought me out of a cult in 2010 Saved me in 2013 And in 2017, Prescribed Truth began My mission has been to spread the truth of God's word While referring dangerous lies affecting most churches and the culture at large from a biblical and reformed perspective. Join me on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for the live recording of the podcast on YouTube and download the audio version wherever podcasts can be found, including the Christian podcast community. If you would like to know more about Prescribed Truth, please visit my website at prescribedtruth.com. And remember, this world is full of errors, but the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth blessings I like that the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth (laughs) (laughs) I love that so let's talk you've recently you've been talking about forgiveness and I want to start with that one and then move on to some other topics that you've been discussing because I think you and I are going to have a lot of fun with some of those later topics but you've been dealing with forgiveness and The, you actually did like three or four episodes on really working through on your own. Do we forgive someone who is unrepentant? And it was, for me as a listener, I'll give you my view as a listener, it was neat because I get to see week after week as you were dealing with it, you're going and you're talking with your pastor, you're talking to some other guys, you're, you're doing more study. And each week it's like, okay, I did a little bit more study, here's where I'm at. Okay, I did a little bit more study, here's where I'm at. And so your podcast wasn't 
and you had said it wasn't one that hey this is where i got all my notes i'm all polished this that was a topic you were you kind of did something and you were let me keep working through this and people interacting with you you in you dealt with your listeners and and reacted with them and i thought that was good because it gets it gets for for me as a listener to see your thinking process see how you're working through an issue Hmm. um although i i might disagree on your conclusion but we can talk about that (laughs) (laughs) so you you dealt with i mean because it was an interesting topic it's one that i don't often deal with much is the question i deal a lot with church discipline and the issue of forgiveness and reconciliation and and you were asking do we basically do we forgive someone who is unrepentant not not just someone who comes and asks forgiveness and you you dealt with that they they ask forgiveness you say yes and you forgive Right. So, and and this was thing like this was new for me. Like I, I mentioned on my podcast, uh, I initially heard this uh, from a podcast called Stop and Think About It. And um, and I was just you know I was just listening to you guys, uh, Steve. He's like you know he like we talked before this podcast that I heard the podcast, and um, so I kind of normal a little bit. And I was like, man, like I'm listening to this, and I was like this is a, this is the first time I've heard this concept. You know, because I was on an impression as well. Uh, I know we talked about it a little bit before we started that, you know, hey, we're, you know, we're called to forgive. You know, we're just called to forgive. And, you know, and, you know, even even then, I still had a, a misunderstanding or, you know, agent ever talking now, like think about reconciliation. Like, hey, well, I'm forgiving you. I'm, I'm letting it go. You know, so no need to hold it over you. You know, just let it be. And, um, and so I listened to the podcast and I heard it and it was, it was, it kind of threw me off and I'm like, well, let me check this out. And so I really do appreciate the fact that the listeners was like really gracious towards me as I worked through this. Like, you know, I try to keep that honest with prescribed truth. It's like, I don't claim to know everything, you know, um, I'm working through truth. You know, I come from falsehoods and by God's grace, I'm headed to truth. I mean, I'm headed to the truth of the gospel and everything after that, you know, it's continuing to grow. And so, um, and that's what I love about the ministry, the ministry that I, that I have. It's like, I'm, I'm growing and people see that, you know? So I don't mind being corrected with anything. Don't mind when people disagree or, you know, chopping it up with me about things um, because, you know, I'm open to correction. But the process of this was, was um, this, I think this was the most challenging topic that I've done on the unprescribed truth that had me really just go to my, even had to go to my elders and like, Hey, y'all, what do you say about this? You know? Yeah, and, and you you mentioned the Stop and Think podcast. I I don't know Steve, uh, though we've we've talked a little bit online, but I know one of the hosts very well, which is Phil Sessa. So no, knowing Phil's on there means I'm going to basically trust that podcast. <laughs> um, Phil's a really good, solid brother. I've known him for years. He and I do have done a lot of street ministry in New York City, and uh, so. That you know, I I don't know which episode it was you you that you interacted with, but you went through that. I think you know each week we're getting to see you flesh this out more. Now for me, uh, I think the the I guess the distinction I was making with you before we start recording was that there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Now mm-hmm. I, I think as believers, we we are to forgive everybody, even if they're unrepentant. Even if they're dead, we need to be forgiving. I mean, there's people who I have forgiven um, that never even came to me and admitted that you know the wrong that they did. They won't admit to the wrong, so they're unrepentant. But there was still a need on my part to 
to seek to forgive them in my own heart. So when I see them, I'm not bitter toward them at all. And that's the thing. If you don't forgive, you're going to be bitter. That's what unforgiveness leads to is bitterness. So I forgive people, but it doesn't mean I restore relationships. You know, if they're unrepentant, I then the relationship can't be restored. And that's where I would see a distinction between the, the forgiveness, I think we do as Christians, the the restoration of that relationship and the and the that full reconciliation that can't happen without repentance. And mm-hmm. so it may be you forgive someone, but you just you're not going to have that relationship with them until there's reconciliation. And I think that's where I was like, my confusion with that is like, even as I was working through this ahead of time, it was like, okay, what does what what does it entail when we forgive someone? Like, um, so is forgiveness basically for my sake, as far as you know, um, you know, my heart being at peace, or is it other centered? You know, and then because um, if the reconciliation isn't there, then obviously there's still a disconnect between me and the individual mm-hmm. um, that's wronged me. Um, but I'm basically forgiving them for my own peace. Yeah, and and forgiving for your own peace is an important thing. You know, um, because you you don't want to grow, uh, you you don't want to have uh, bitterness in your own heart. You don't want to allow that to, to fester in any way because, man, I, I've done enough counseling to know that there's people who they're just unwilling to forgive, and boy, do they pay the the price of that, you know? Mm. And so, hey, and I wrestle with that. Like, I'm sorry, I mean, I mean, no. cut you. I, I I wrestle with that a lot with that because even when when um. And me and Steve talked about it more. I was thinking about like how does this play out in counseling? Like when you're dealing with married couples, right? When the spouse may have wronged them, and you know, and how do they go about reconciling and dealing with things? And especially when a person is full of pride and arrogance, you know, when they're unrepentant and all those things, and just you know, because we think about normal relationships, but when you bring it into the home, like there's no walking away for that, you know, like you know, like we have to deal with these things, and um, and so when it came to the bitterness part, that was part that really stuck out to me. It's like, okay, man, like how do we get past this? And there's you no, know, this bitterness can come up this, uh, cause the Bible clear, the Bible's clear in telling us that we should not be bitter towards others. You know, we shouldn't harbor um, bitterness towards others. But then I think about the text and I, and I wrestled with this. Uh, I think it was on the second um, part was when the Bible tells us that we shouldn't take, we shouldn't take vengeance upon ourselves that vengeance is the Lord's and he shall repay. So wouldn't it be a level of trust in that point? Like even if a person is unrepentant and then, and if I am unforgiving in that sense, because they're unrepentant, the lack of, um, could it be that a person can have put their trust in God to, to do his part, you know, do what he's going to do and trusting in him as far as his sovereignty. And because like the Bible tells us the hearts of Kings are in his hands and he turns whatever way he pleases. So like we're leaving it to God and therefore not, allow myself to be bitter like could that be a possibility or is that just kind of that's yeah. out? well i think my own heart i should be if i'm if i know of something because there's times where i've had people come i had this just even recently where someone came and asked me for forgiveness for something i didn't even know happened mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. they, they're holding a grudge because i'm not behaving a certain way because they assumed i knew something i didn't mm-hmm. know and they're they got upset with me over it and I didn't know anything about it. So you have that 
sometimes with folks. And this is the thing. Me as a believer, I need to be a, a forgiving person. I Even though they may do wrong, I always use this as an example. You have someone who you have babysit your kids. Mm-hmm. And you come home, kids, uh, place is a mess. The kids are just doing whatever they want. And the babysitting just sitting there watching TV. Now, you may forgive the babysitter, but you're never going to have them babysit again, right? So there's a consequence that comes with it. Now, if the the person's like, well, I didn't do any wrong, you try to explain the wrong and say, well, okay, and that's it. Now, there could be that they didn't realize they were wrong and they're really repentant, and you might say, okay, I'll give you a second chance because now you reconciled that relationship. Right. But... Like you're saying, in the home with family, yeah, that it's going to be a little bit touchier because you have someone that's done wrong, and I've had relationships, not within family, but, well, within my my extended family, uh, I've, had, I've had some strained relationships, but not because of sin, it's because I became a Christian. Uh, but, but even with that, I could say, you know, my family gets together. There's kind of like these unspoken limits of what we can and can't talk about <laughs> without things getting really bad. And, and so um, th- there are things that you're going to have where it's just, okay, we, you know, if there's no re- repentance, then there's, there is a break of that, that relationship. It can't be fully right. restored until there is repentance. And, and I'll say this for folks, when we talk about reconciliation, when someone comes to me and says, if I offended you, uh, you know, forgive me. That that's not repentance. <laughs> you <Right>. know, <laughs> like if there's something they did wrong, it could be that they're they're just they're asking forgiveness because they didn't know they offended you. They don't really think it's wrong. It's not really. It, it may not be a sinful thing, but mm-hmm. you know, look, we don't want to we don't want to offend people. And okay, then for that reason, uh, forgive me. That's one thing. But the other thing that we look at is the fact that there's people who will say it like that because they want to avoid actually admitting to what they've done wrong. That's totally different. You see? So that would be the thing I'd end up looking at those and say, okay, we have a different way of looking at this then. And so I would want to look more into because when you brought it up, maybe think about it. I want to look, I would want to look more into the distinction of reconciliation and repentance. I mean, I'm sorry. And forgiveness. And how they relate and, you know, and how they you know and how that distinction is made in the divide. And that was, so, uh, that's my initial thing is like, I mean, I'm just thinking like, man, like if I forgive someone that, you know, how, how can I forgive without reconciliation? And I hear, and I hear what you're saying there and it's, and I, and I hear it, but it's like, I really want to look more into it. And that's why I said in my show is like, uh, with this, this subject, it's like, I'm not as dogmatic on it. Like the um, podcast I heard, it was pretty set in their way. You know, they was like, Hey, you know, these are cliches. These are, uh, that was, uh, that was a, I can't remember the exact title of that podcast, but it was about Christian cliches. And, um, oh, okay. I know. Yeah. I didn't listen and, um, to that one yet. It was the first one of the two. They had did a two part. And um, it was the first one of the two. And I was, when I, that was one of the ones. So they didn't spend much time on it, but that was one of the ones they talked about. And, um, and it, when I went to my elders about it, it was more or less like centered around the gospel. It's like, okay, because of the example of Christ, like when we, I think, I don't know if I heard this. Uh, I'm trying to think if I heard this. Was it Matt? I'm trying to think. I hear Matt Slick talk about it in another podcast. We talk about as far as um, our reconciliation. Our reconciliation with God is like is is done. You know, atonement has happened, right? 
but that transaction didn't take place. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but it's like it's like when I heard basically like that transaction didn't take place until we repented. Our hearts were changed, but that's when that transactional uh, relationship happened. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I was so I was looking at it from that perspective. And one of the things, I mean, my and and as you look at, it, I mean, my perspective is that I'm maybe I'm being just a little bit more precise with it. Is there's a distinction between reconciliation and restoration of relationships and that forgiveness. I, I felt mm-hmm. a lot of what you were on your podcast dealing with was was really the the restoration of a relationship more than you were actually addressing the 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 real issue. I think of you know, you, you're bringing up forgiveness when you're really addressing the real issue of reconciliation. So mm-hmm. something to think about. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it was good as good as far as someone who was sitting in and and being able to watch you process it. And still, even now, it's it's encouraging to see because, like you said, we're, we're podcasters. We come out, we teach, but we don't know everything. And we're we're in the process of learning too. I have a real problem with the guys that think they do know everything. But that's a different story. So yeah, there are people actually, there are people out there believe that you can have perfect, like you, like perfect understanding of everything. Oh yeah, you know. And and you know what's going to happen the moment they sit at the feet of Christ? They're going to go, they're gonna "Oh, I was nice. totally wrong," <laughs> <laughs> especially about my pride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's. I want to talk about a, a thing that a reoccurring theme on your podcast that comes up after this break and that is the issue of social justice oh no we mentioned that word uh. okay we're going to talk about being woke after this ding dong jehovah's witnesses ding dong mormons christian are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell do you know what your muslim and jewish friends believe you will if you get andrew rapaport's book what do they believe when we witness to people we need to present the truth but it is very wise to know what they believe and you will get andrew rapaport's book at what do they believe.com What's up, everyone? This is James Watkins, host of the Five Souls podcast and founder of Five Souls Ministries. Be sure to check out our podcast that releases every Thursday on your favorite podcasting app as we discuss Christian doctrine and dive into the Reformed theological distinctives and their continued relevance for the church and world today. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. Join us each episode as we discuss the truths of these foundational rallying cries of the Protestant reformers and how this material helps challenge and direct the current church in its life of worship and witness. Visit us online at www.5solasministries.com. That's www.5solasministries.com. To learn more information about the ministry and to also check out our awesome Five Solas lineup of t-shirts and gospel tracks. And as always, may all that you do be done to the glory of God. Soli. Deo. Gloria. All right. And you know something about that podcast, don't you there, Jamal? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, you, yeah. Oh, James. You've been on that podcast, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I went on there. Uh, he had me on graciously to talk about my testimony. Yeah, I haven't been on there yet, you know. He keeps telling, he keeps giving me a hard time that I won't be on his podcast. And he, <laughs> but I, I'm headed to the Philippines and he's giving me a hard time that I, I'm like, look, all right, fine. Here, here, I, I give him a link to book. Now, you, you use the same link. Was it really hard to book uh, us time to, to record with me? 
No, it, it really wasn't. It, it really wasn't, I must say. Yeah, and he, he, he books it. And then he then he ends up canceling on me. He's like, "Oh, I got to cancel." You know, it's like four days away, but he's like giving some excuse. My grandmother died. I mean, what kind of excuse is that? No, <laughs> what you know? Yeah, I mean, he's got to have priorities. <laughs> Yo, but I'm sure I'll eventually get on there. He'll he'll eventually, uh, you know, I'll give him enough grief to make sure that he invites me on somehow, and uh, like I just did. But <laughs> there you go, pay. Patience. 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 Yeah. Well, look, if he's going to give me grief about not wanting to be on his show and he canceled, I, I got to give him grief about the fact that I <laughs> it was set up. He canceled. So let's let's talk about a topic that you you talk about a lot. You you for folks who don't know, you got very little melanin in your skin, don't you? Very little. <laughs> for folks who don't know sarcasm, there it was so. This is the thing, because I'm saying this only because people realize that this isn't two white guys talking about social justice and critical race theory and being woke. Um, so you did a you did a two two videos that were cracking me up. You did the woke brother. And, and I think there were some people you had said that actually were believing you. And you were you were I mean, it was hysterical. You're like. Oh, well, you, you got to be woke. You got to realize that for us, it takes us an extra 13 seconds to cross the street. You can't be letting that light change so quickly. <laughs> the fact that people were taking you serious and that was cracking me up. But let's let's talk about these issues. What does it mean to be woke? What is critical race theory? What's this whole thing with social justice? We're hearing it a lot, even in the church, a lot more than I, I think we should. Um Give folks that may not be familiar with it, just bring them up to speed with all this stuff. <laughs> so interesting about when it comes to the woke movement and critical race theory and all of that, I was um, on a fence with this in the beginning. And that's why it took so long for me to deal with it. I actually have a video on my channel where I was talking to a, a brother named Damon Richardson. And um, I was actually just wrestling with it, you know, through him. You know, um, he's on the social justice side and, and still currently is. And um, I was just asking him questions. That's how I got into it as far as dealing with the subject itself. But I began to realize some, some faultiness in it. I started to realize there were some, some things that just didn't add up. And, um, and I was settled in my way that, man, this is really contrary to the gospel as far as how we should deal with one another, even reconcile with one another. You know, even if there is an issue to even be reconciled, you know, as far as each other goes. And so um, that's why I started dealing with it. So uh, when it comes to this, this critical race theory, it's always basically it's a systematic issue against blacks. And I know in some, in some people, they want to um, make it seem like it's also including Latinos and, you know, and Asians and everyone else, but it's not. The, this issue is most, it's solely focused on blacks, you know, injustices, uh, legal systems that are put in place to purposely keep black people down and um, you know, where they come to, and, you know, and the media didn't help with all the news coverage of uh, black kids being shot and killed by police officers and the narrative being thrown out in some areas. And, you know, it, it just didn't matter what the story was. If a black boy was killed, it was automatic racism mm -hmm. you know, without any facts being put to the table and that kind of stuff. And if you was to try to bring facts to the table, then if you're a white person, then you're just perpetuating racism. And if you're a black person, 
like myself, then you're you're just Anglo on the inside. You know, you're just Uncle Tom and Cooning. Yeah, what was it? I'm trying to remember what the term was that they were using for uh, for Daryl Harrison from Just Thinking. I think they called him Oreo, black on the outside, white on the inside. Yeah, Oreo. Yep, that's that's it. And it, and it realized, man, it's like, man, it is so wicked. You know, like it's, it's especially when it comes from the Christians, like people who hold the banner of Christ, but calling the brother that. You know, it's because it, it's like it's, it's what it's doing. It's accusing it's accusing people like Daryl of being dishonest. Like, so you're gonna you're gonna lie for the sake of wanting to keep this, you know, this whiteness on the inside of you. You know, versus holding to the truth. Well, I think I think the thing I see interesting with it is you realize that what they're actually saying is being black has nothing to do with color of skin. It has to do with a political agenda, mm-hmm. which I really find interesting because you and I were talking just a bit before we started recording about reparations. This is why I find it so interesting. The, the woke brothers that are pushing a political agenda, whose political agenda they're pushing a Democrat liberal political agenda, socialist agenda. The very pe- people who were trying to suppress them and keep them in slaves. Right? That's, right. that's the irony. It's like, I, I, I th- thought this was brilliant. Someone said, I totally support reparations. I just support that those who were the party of the KKK, the party that didn't want civil rights, the party that was against freeing the slaves, they should be the party to pay for it which would be the Democrats. So make every Democrat pay for reparations. We'll see how long that lasts, <laughs> right? right? Because they're the ones that actually were pushing this. They were the ones that wanted, I mean, it was the, the Republican Party was, was formed over the issue of freeing slaves. The Republican Party was the ones that, that pushed the, the, the freeing of the slaves, pushed the emancipation, pushed the, the having, having blacks in Congress. It was, it was the Republicans that had blacks, not, not the Democrats. And Democrats were fighting it all along and creating the KKK. Mm-hmm. And, and they want to rewrite history now. But it's amazing to me that they want to talk reparations and stuff, and yet they're pushing the the political agenda that actually tried to keep them enslaved. It's it's interesting to me. It's like, and it may be just me. It may be just me. You know, I'm I'm fairly young, but I didn't hear the the most of this issue with Republican versus Democrat until Trump got in office. <laughs> it's when it's when he became a Republican in office. That's when all of a sudden all the racist stuff come over. The Republican Party centered around racism and everything else. You know, I, I never heard. I guess also, I guess you could say the same thing as when Obama was in office. I guess whoever ran against him automatically had to be yeah, being some kind of racist. Back back when Obama was president, if you said any, it was interesting. If you disagreed with his policies, you were racist. And I'm like, wait a minute, his policies have nothing to do with the color of his skin. But that's the thing. What what I've noticed is racism has nothing to do with what how it's properly defined as looking at a group of people and and judging them or prejudging them because of color of skin or ethnicity or something about them. Mm -hmm. And which exactly, that's actually what they're doing to the whites when they say, and we'll talk about this in a bit, you were mentioning earlier, the whole idea of whites apologizing 
uh, for for slavery when they had nothing to do with it. Right. Um, I think that what you see is you've you've they've changed the definition of racism. They've created a, a reverse type of racism where I've actually had an African American who told me he can't be racist because he's he's not privileged. Now here's the irony. This is a kid who this is a you know someone that my my kids went to school with. He's an upper middle class. He's got he's got parents who are very well educated. One's a, a university professor, okay? So it's not like they were in an uneducated family. They weren't in a poor family. He went to a private school and he's like, "Well, I'm un, I'm underprivileged." How are you underprivileged? Because I'm black. And yet it's what defines racism is being, you know, economic or financial things or a political agenda. It, that's what's made it so confusing for folks, I think, because like for someone like me, I'm using definitions the way they they actually are in the dictionary, right? And and those dictionary definitions just don't matter. They they could change on a whim nowadays. But see, that's the thing that because they change the definition, it's going to always be subjective, and therefore, and, they, and therefore, they keep themselves from ever being accountable to the correct definition. Because you can have a you can have a black a black person in the high class, you know, making all making all the money, got white people under him, you know, and yet can be treating them wrong because they're white, yet still won't be called racist. They won't call them racist. But what they'll say is, and I make a joke about it in Woke Brothers, like because because he is black, it doesn't matter if he's it doesn't matter if he's partial to his people, and you know and treats the other side wrong because hey, you know whites had it had it good all these years, and so therefore y'all kind of deserve some of this, you know. So hey, so if you if you get mistreated a little bit, you know, don't call it racism, just just take it, you know, it's yeah. what you deserve. And and this, I mean, when you, the thing is, is that when you change the definition of racism, now everything is racism. I mean, if if I disagree with anyone who's black, it's racism. It's like, wait a minute, you know, if, if you if you disagree with the whole issue of, you know, the being woke and stuff like that, well, then you're you're an Uncle Tom, you're a traitor, you're not really black, you're an Oreo. I mean, all these things that we end up hearing. Right. So right. it's like, well, what, what really is racism? Because if, it's, if you're going to argue that it's being underprivileged, well, then the last thing that blacks should do, in my opinion, is support the party that wanted to keep them enslaved physically, and now that they can't, they want to keep them enslaved to being impoverished, impoverished and, you know, just to keep voting for them. Because you think about it, what, and I think more and more African Americans are waking up to this, is the fact that the, the Democrat Party is keeping them enslaved in a different kind of slavery, Keeping them enslaved just to get the votes, and and they're staying in power by that, and they know they're they just count on the fact that they're going to have ninety percent of the African American vote, and they're getting upset that they're losing that. It used to be higher, and every every election they're losing that more and more, and they're upset with that. 
and they can't it's like they can't figure it out i think what it is is there are there are brothers like you that are actually are woke they're they're woke to the fact that you have people trying to keep others enslaved for political purposes changing definitions of terms so they so it's all about a political agenda and that agenda for those of us who are believers is completely against the gospel and against christianity Mm -hmm. and it was so it was so heartbreaking i was having a conversation with a fellow brother and um you know he was on the social justice side he was arguing about um um, um, the prison systems is you know, saying how uh, critical race theory affects even in the legal system. You know, there's all these black people in jail, you know, the prisons are full of them, you know, and, and therefore that's, that's clearly racism in the system. That's clearly systematic racism. And I began, and I began to ask him, I was like, I look at, I look at the stats of blacks who are in jail and why they're in jail versus whites and you know if, if they go in for the same crime and do they do the same time and and what you see is different there's just there's distinctions and there are differences amongst all these cases you know and, and what i say is this is like these these felt these black people who go to prison and this is a, um, unpopular for me to say but these black people who are in prison who are in jail for drug use and you know and drug distribution and all these things regardless if they're in there too long regardless if they if they should be shouldn't be in there as long as they are, you know, twenty five years, whatever case may be. They know the consequences before they go and sell. They mm-hmm. know the consequences before they distribute, before they possess. They do it knowing the consequences, yet don't want to do the punishment, regardless of what we feel about them. They know it. I said, but it's no. There's the studies are not true that a white person, if a white person gets caught with. 25 grams of cocaine and a black person get caught with 25 grams of cocaine that the white person going to get less time than a black person. There's nothing to show that nothing to show that what you have is people misreading the stats and looking at distribution versus possession. And that's what people are missing. Just something as small as that. But if you bring that up, they don't want to hear that because it goes against the narrative. Yeah. And, and this is the thing that gets me with this that as we look at this, you look, go back to the the 40s and 50s. What was the African-American community known for? It was was the strong family structure, right? Mm -hmm. And you had people in you know, the, the Democrats and the State Department and different, they were, they were, there's ties that show that they were bringing drugs or allowing drugs to come into the inner cities. And, and what did happen to the families? Destroyed. Destroyed them. Destroyed them. And, and they want, I mean, you look at the whole, the structure with welfare, everything. You had politicians that were doing everything. Their, their policies were were destroying the African American families. You have them bringing in Planned Parenthood to kill off, because this is the reality. If folks don't know, Planned Parenthood, the Planned Parenthood's founder, there was a reason Margaret Sanger wanted Planned Parenthood to be in African American communities because she right. believed in eugenics. She believed in a social uh, social engineering, the same as as uh, Hitler did. But hers was was wiping out the blacks. And that's why she felt we had to get rid of African Americans. And that policy still is there. I mean, they try to say, oh, it's because they're they're they don't have we go into the areas where people don't have the money. 
Yeah, but they still mm-hmm. charge for the services. So, you know, it's not like they're giving free services like crisis pregnancy centers do. But everything that they're doing has been about destroying the that which kept the black community strong. And they and and they've been sold a bill of goods because they believe like like there are blacks who are, you know we go to abortion a little bit here, but like it's it's amazing all the black babies that are being killed. Yet now they've drunk the Kool Aid into now believing, hey, well this really isn't a baby. Like I don't want to think about the numbers here. You're not going you're not going to make me believe that that what I'm supporting is actually hurting me. So let me just let me buy into the false reality that what I'm actually carrying is a clump of cells and not really a person. Instead of really seeing the, the outrage in that, you know, seeing what's really being done. Yeah. Like why are we, why are we still a minority? Like you don't even think about that. You know, it's like this, this could have a lot to do with it. Well, even that's kind of cracks me up in a sense. Um, you talk about minorities. So, I remember when my kids were going to college and you fill out these forms to try to get scholarships and they, they ask you whether you're a minority. And Mm. so I filled it out and said that my kids are minority because my wife is Asian. And so that's a minority. They're not the majority of America. And they came back to me and said, what kind of minority? And I, I said, well, Asian. And they said, no, that doesn't count. I was like, but they're a minority. And, and here was the response I got. Well, they, they might be fewer in number, but they're, they're educated. So they don't, need, they don't actually count as a minority. And I was like, wow. wait, minority by definition is fewer in number, <laughs> not education level. <laughs> but but look, how, look how degrading that is to the black community. To, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and that's what, see this thing. They want to support people who are want to. Like, uh, I think I watched, I listened to um, Thomas Sowell on one of the video he did. He's talking about how this idea of um, uh, what is that called? Where they their school did they looking for the minority? They want to bring the more, minority in more. Oh, the, the uh, affirmative action. Affirmative person. action. It, it, how he was in my first time hearing somebody say how affirmative action actually hurt us, and how it still hurts us. And when I heard his perspective of it, and I started thinking about it, it's like, man, he's right. Like, this is what they actually think of us. You know, it's like, we're not as educated. So we need these handouts instead of actually doing what the people did in the 40s and 50s and actually working hard. And because they, you know, they, they did what they're supposed to do. They're able to get to where they need to be. Whereas now we, we need handouts. Like, we need it. And we're, therefore, we are dependent upon welfare. You know, therefore, we're willing to lie on our tax documents. We're willing to lie to the companies and say, oh, I don't have a man at home. Like, so therefore, it's more beneficial for a woman not to have a man in the house. Correct. Because if she has, if she has a man in the house, look what happens. With the, you know, the taxes, she get less money. You know, so it's, you know, it's like, and we buy into that, you know. But then we, but then we complain. Well, I think you nailed it. I mean, it is degrading because of this. When you work hard and you know you've earned your paycheck, you've, you've worked hard for it, you feel a sense of accomplishment. When you get right. a handout, you don't feel any accomplishment. You feel entitled, you feel everything's owed to you. And how do you then do you react with your fellow citizens? When you walk around feeling everything is owed to you, then you're going to walk around with this idea that you don't owe anyone anything. And that's what we end up seeing in, in the culture now, and it's it's become a mess. But 
they don't have that sense of accomplishment when it's a handout. Right. When you work hard for something, and this is what the American dream was, and this is something that's actually changing. The definition of American dream is changing. The American dream was that there was no caste system. There was no noble class and working class. In America, anybody could work hard and produce a better life for themselves. I mean, the the American experiment changed all of Europe. They, they collapsed their, their whole hierarchy system because people were like, well, in America, people can work hard and they could, they could rise to a level to, to run a company, to make money. They weren't kept down. And now what do we have? We have people that are trying to return to that, where they're trying to keep people down. They're, like it or not, you have, a, you have people that want to keep what they call the minorities uneducated. Oh, they, they'll say, okay, we'll, we'll give you scholarships for, for college, but what do they do? They're not giving them an education. They don't help them in giving a good education. So what happens when they get to college? Oh, they get college bills. They they get these loans. They don't. They they're not able to handle the college. They drop out, but they still got the loans to pay the government loans back. And so what do right. they do now? They they're 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 having a huge debt, which is going to keep them down even more. This is what the the whole structure of the the woke community they don't they haven't woken up to realize the very people they're supporting are suppressing them mm. you know and it's about a political agenda it's it's about bringing about a marxist socialist economy that's what's behind this whole thing Right. And it, it was um, on my sh- on my show. I did a uh, episode breaking down what dealing with Martin Luther King and his uh, political agenda as he was um, going forward. And um, that was <laughs> that got me, that got me a lot of static. <laughs> well, I, you know, I actually wanted that was going to be the next topic I was going to bring up. So so let's talk about that, because I think your handling of that was refreshing because Martin Luther King is like it's like. We're not allowed to discuss this. Right. This is like, especially as a white person, right? Especially. Um, And I think your handling of it, A, you were able to do what probably I could never get away with (laughs) politically, right? But I want you to go over your handling of that because I thought it was done tastefully, but truthfully. So it started off with um, a, a viewer commented and asked me what was the big deal about the MLK 50 conference? You know, why, why were there evangelicals who were saying that they were in the wrong for hyping up Martin Luther King the way they did and, but yet won't uh, take down anything concerning Jonathan Edwards and Martin Luther. So I had set out to do a series dealing with all three individuals, looking at Martin Luther King, what he taught and what he believed and what he held to. And so therefore, why was this an issue? Then John, Jonathan Edwards and Martin Luther. And so, um, so yeah, so that was the whole process. And I'll um, say this as well: your, your handling of Martin Luther was excellent. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that people don't know about Martin Luther and things he said about the Jews and all. You know, that was good. It, it, again, it was de- dealt with truthfully and tactfully. Well, yeah, it's just like because at the end of the day, truth matters. It, it's what it's what I always say: is like all truth belongs to God. 
all truth. So that's that's what all that should matter. Besides whatever my emotions would be, you know, whatever may feel good or feel better to me, it's what it's what I want to know what the truth is. You know, and I deal with, I deal with the little hurt. If it makes me if it makes me ouch, you know, I deal with that. But I need to know what the truth is. And so, it, and it was and it was it was kind of painful dealing with the subjects of Martin Luther uh, Martin Luther King, and then looking at George Whitfield and everything else. But it was also freeing. You know, and actually seeing the, the truth of everything and looking at the, the, the narrative and how everything came together, how it really is versus what the media may put out of other people. And so like with Martin Luther King, looking at his whole agenda, even for civil rights, you know, I, which I do thank the Lord because God in his sovereignty allowed these things to happen for us to have the civil rights movement. Right. But his in his agenda was pushing for communism. But he was against Marxist. He was against Marxism in its in its um, methodology but not in his conclusion. And then, um, and what I saw was interesting was that he saw that Marxism, they was willing to do, they was willing to get their conclusion by any means necessary, whether it be lying, stealing, whatever case may be Martin Luther King versus he was like, Hey, we shouldn't be Marxist in his way. Like we shouldn't be a communist. Like a Christian should not be a communist in the thinking as like what, um, what Marx would think or anyone else, but they should want to do it honestly and do it rightly. But yet, they still have the same conclusion. We should have this one class. You know, no one has more than the other, but that's not a reality. And, you know, they made it seem as a, such an evil thing to have capitalism. You know, and that's what he pushed in his sermons. You know, that's what he pushed as far as blacks standing up for each other and coming together because, hey, we got, we got, to, we got to come up. We got to come up to where the white man is, and he has to, he has to step aside and let us be. But, you know, he's, just Martin Luther King did his in a more peaceful manner. Instead of the more extreme, like Malcolm X would or someone else. And that's the thing. I think there's a lot of people that just, you can't talk about that. I mean, they, they <laughs> well, right now at the moment, I don't, I don't probably like lost every black credibility that I can have. Yeah, I mean, I'm you, probably, you're, you had to like hand in your black card on episode one, I think. You know. Yeah. Now, as soon as I started doing Martin Luther, as soon as I did like episode of Martin Luther King, I started losing subscribers. And um, even from there, friends on Facebook and as well as, you know, people who may have liked the page and whatnot, you know, I've had somebody, um, I remember I, I did a critique of uh, Eric Mason on his book, Woke Church, and somebody, you know, uh, criticized me. It was like, how dare you, um, like, talk against Mark, uh, Eric Mason? Like, who are you, you know, to, to come against him, you know? That's like, I'm just a regular guy just looking at the truth. You know, that's basically it. And, and I mean, that's what your podcast is about, prescribed truth. I mean, it's just looking at what the truth is. So, and that's what I appreciate about it. It's, it's, it's refreshing to hear someone that is willing to say, look, I, I know my tribe. I'll use that term because that's how some people refer to it, this tribalism. You know, my tribe says I should be believing this, but I'm going to break out of that and think for myself and look at what the truth is. So, I'm going to go ahead. I was just real quick. I was. I would encourage anyone who may listen to this and be on the opposite side of us on this. Just I would. I would encourage you to listen to the podcast that I did on Martin Luther, on, on the, the claim of his anti-Semitism. Uh, listen to the podcast on Martin Luther King as far as what he taught in his letters that he wrote, and also with George Whitfield, and even with the early America, even how you know how we got our independence and what that entailed, what the founders were thinking about concerning Black people in the Declaration of Independence. Like I would encourage them to just check those things out and just let the let the facts lay where they lay. You know. Yeah, and so you can, folks go and subscribe today to Prescribed Truth, and and listen to those episodes. 
So what I want to do with you, Jamal, I know that you listen to every rap report, so you should know what's coming at this point. No, no, you don't. But <laughs> we're going to play a game. It's time now to start the spiritual transition game. So now as we're going to find out if you listen, are a regular listener to the rap report, do you know what this game is about? Oh, yeah, I love this. Oh, he does know. Okay, so <laughs> so for folks who may be new to the podcast, this is uh, something we find that with most people, they say, I, I am okay with sharing the gospel and talking to people about Christ when the topic is spiritual. So most people are waiting for God to open a door for someone to just say, hi, can you tell me everything about Jesus Christ and how to go to heaven? That never happens. And so people are always waiting for some door to open, for some conversation to get to the spiritual so they could talk about Christ. I argue you don't need to. You can make any conversation a spiritual conversation by transitioning from the natural world to the spiritual. It's actually one of the most difficult things I find that people have a hard time with in evangelism is how to do that transition. And so we made a game out of it and the game we play regularly. So Jamal is going to give me something. I have no idea what it is. And whatever he gives me, I have to transition to the gospel. Now, I'm just going to say this for the record. I was recently on the podcast, um, What Are We Even Doing Here with Daryl and Karen Updike? And they decided to play this game with me when I was on their show. And they were trying to figure out what to give me. And I ended up doing a very different transition from discussing the transitions. So I'm just going to say, you're going to have to go out and listen to that episode to find out. But Jamal, what do I have to transition to the gospel with today? I want to see a transition when discussing that, you know, I I got this inventory that I'm trying, I'm trying to keep track of and it's, it's not right. And the boss is on my uh, boss is on my uh, my heel about it, and I want to have a conversation about this and want to transition into the gospel. So you're talking to your boss about the missing or or wrong accounting of inventory. Mm-hmm. All right, and so you're looking to share the gospel with your boss, which is always fun to do. Yes. Okay. First thing, I'll, I'll put myself in that scenario. First thing I do in that is I invite my boss to lunch and I'm buying. Why? Because when you're buying lunch, you pretty much get to talk about anything you want. Just saying. <laughs> it's this un, kind of unwritten rule. If I'm buying, I get to talk about things. So uh, typically that's what I would do. But you know, when you think about the fact that, look, we have these records and there's only a couple different scenarios here. Either someone's stealing inventory and therefore the accounting is wrong because the product is being stolen or someone's not recording things properly and we are not having an accurate record. So it's, it's either theft, it could be sloppiness, it could be that someone's manipulating the numbers to make it look like we are buying more product than we actually are, which would be dishonesty. So there, there's some things that we have, but one thing we could agree on would be that when we look at the accounting and it says that there should be this much inventory and there's not, then we have a problem. Now, you know, sometimes it could be that the sloppiness could be that we have too much inventory and we're finding out that we're, we're saying we have more than we actually do. But 
whatever it is, the thing we realize is that we have an accounting for a purpose and there's something going on in the system that's broken. The The thinking of this is, is that we got to figure out why, what what's the root cause? Because all we could tell when we look at the numbers is something's broken, something's wrong. And as a, as a supervisor, as a boss, you, you need to get to the bottom of not so much that the accounting's wrong, but the why, because there has to be a consequence. Don't you agree that there has to be a consequence if someone's being sloppy with their handling of the numbers that that has a direct monetary effect? So there would have to be a consequence if it's if it's something someone's stealing or being dishonest, then we have a different kind of consequence. Don't you agree? If you agree, then I mean, I, I want to take this a different way as well because. Just like there's an accountability that we have to the inventory, you and I have a different accountability to our creator in the fact that we break his law and he keeps in a record of that. He keeps an accountability of that. And we could justify it in a lot of different ways. We call things white lies when we know we're being saying things that aren't true. We could justify it and saying, well, others do these things. I'm just stealing a little bit. I'm, I'm only stealing a little bit of time from my employer when other people are stealing money. It's not the same thing. We, we justify it, but it's still an accounting that we have to give to an infinitely holy creator and who knows everything. And, and don't you think that just as you feel there's a, a justice that has to be paid with the accounting of inventory, don't you think that God's going to feel the same justice to be paid when we break his law? And God made a way of escape. God actually made a payment for the lack of inventory because you and I would never be able to pay that inventory. And yet God himself, who's infinite and has infinite riches in this sense, can pay that inventory. When he himself came to earth and paid that eternal fine on the cross, he paid the fine you and I could never pay. He died in our place. And because he's an eternal being, he could pay that eternal fine. And he paid it for us that we could be set free. But we have to stop trusting ourselves and our good works and our thinking we're a good person and trust what Jesus Christ did alone on that cross. And only through Christ we can have the forgiveness of sins. So think about the accountability and the accounting that you're going to give to God the moment you die. Mm, mm, mm. And then you hope you don't get fired. (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful. That was beautiful, man. All right. Well, hey, Jamal, I, I'm, I enjoy you coming on here. I enjoy your podcast. I was, uh, both Colleen and I were really glad when you filled out an application. She had actually turned me on to your podcast. She's like, when you had done the thing on Martin Luther, uh, I, I can't remember if it was the Martin Luther King or the Martin Luther one that she first told me about. And I know that the one you did on Martin Luther really impacted her because she's done some study on Luther and she goes, so few people get him right. And you did. And hmm. it was, you know, she was like, man, this guy has got such great content. And then all of a sudden we saw an application come in from you. And I was like, I was like, Hey, did you see who sent it an application? She was like, yes. So we've both been really excited about the fact that, that you're joining us and we could, we could be partnering with you and be able to, to just be part of what you're doing because it's some great, great stuff that you're doing. Uh, 
and and you know how to use humor and and satire with your woke videos (laughs) the woke brothers uh videos or the woke brother videos and i just i want folks to be knowing to go out to your your youtube channel go out to prescribe truth the your website is prescribedtruth.com is it or dot org i forget now dot com dot com so prescribe truth.com from there you can get everything you could get the the web the podcast you get the um you can get the uh, uh youtube this leads to the youtube channel on there the podcast if they want to support and able to do that's, it there and everything yeah that's else. what i was gonna do and it also is the patreon page that you have so that they can support you doing more of this so if you know go check it out if you appreciate what he's doing then consider supporting him so, and i and i wanted to say with that woke brother it, it, it started with just the frustration of hearing people say how threatened they were of white people just for being in the room because they disagree with them. And I was like, man, you know what? You know what? I'm going to be a woke brother. You know, I'm, a, I'm just going to be a woke brother. And um, <laughs> that's one I did. And I, and I encourage people to check out. And actually, Phil Johnson actually <laughs> retweeted. <laughs> they got um, it, was, it was interesting. A lot of people t- took me seriously. Um, it, I looked at some articles that was on the uh, Daily Mail, and it, it talked about how racism, because of racism, black people have to wait 30% longer to cross the street. And this was a legit article. And I was like, you can't be serious. I said, oh, man. I, I said, this is gold. This is gold. I said, I said, the wrong with this. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so I just yeah people if you if you do happen to check out the YouTube channel just yeah, check out the woke brother videos it's called woke brother brings the facts um, <laughs> that's 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 one and so just um, check those out when you get a chance it'd be great so uh, I, I want to give you a chance to have give any last minute thoughts any last minute comments after uh, this commercial would you consider donating to striving for eternity. This ministry is one that tries to reach out to some of those smaller churches that most people, most speakers, want to avoid. But by our monthly donors, it allows us to get into smaller churches and provide for them the seminars and conferences that usually only larger churches can do. We can do that because we have monthly supporters who on a regular basis support us so we could support others. Would you consider being one of our monthly supporters today? You can go to strivingforeternity.org slash donate and set up for a monthly donation today. Your donation helps us to be able to spread the gospel around the world, to be able to disciple others, and to provide resources for churches and people who are struggling to grow deeper in God's Word. Consider donating today at strivingforeternity.org slash donate. And we thank you very much for your consideration. And so we do our literally try to reach getting the gospel around the world. One of the things we're working on is we are trying to raise support to bring a team to Japan for the Olympics. I know that I was talking with folks from... Uh, Living Waters Asia, they tried doing a training with the Japanese churches out there, and they told me that they never saw a place more spiritually dead than Japan. It, and 
that is true. They're, they are spiritually dead there. They need the gospel. And with the Olympics, it really does open up an opportunity for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo for people to come and share the gospel. We're hoping to do some training beforehand. We want to get out there a week or so before the Olympics to try to see if we can get some churches that are there trained up and to go out with us. So your support can help with that. And if you support, let me let you know what you can receive. If you give just a $2 a month donation, you get a free copy of What Do We Believe? It's a book on, on basically my book on systematic theology, one that's easy to read, quick reference for you to get a good handle on systematic theology. If you give $5 a month, you get that book plus What Do They Believe, which is my book on world religions, covering the, the major Western religions, a systematic theology of the major Western religions. If you give $10 a month, you get the two books I mentioned, plus the book by Dr. Anthony Silvestro on the origin of kinds, which deals with presuppositional apologetics, creation science, and evangelism. If you give $20 a month, we give you those three books plus the book, Sharing the Good News with Mormons, which is 24 different authors coming together, giving different styles, different techniques of evangelism, mostly that works, many of them works, well, all of them will work for Mormons, but many of them will work for anyone. And so that's something you can receive. If you want to give more than that, that would be appreciated. But if you want to help us be able to go to Japan, we just got back from the Philippines. We're trying to set up to go other places. We can only do that with your support. So if you help us, it helps get the gospel out further. So Jamal, let me just ask you, any any last-minute things, any last-minute encouragement you'd have for, for my audience, for them to want to check out prescribed truth, to check out what the doctor prescribes? Yeah, so before I do, I just wanted to just really just thank you, Andrew, for having me on the show and, and uh, being such an amazing host. And uh, I'm not just seeing, I'm not just saying it to toot your horn a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks. I'll but, give um, you that $5 later. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, if you know, hey guys, I, my, my whole goal is to just deal with the falsehoods and just give truth. You know, God has given his, he has given us his truth through the scriptures and we're called, especially as Christians to distribute that truth amongst the world. All right. And so that's what I seek to do. Um, if you would like to just, you know, join with me with that, you know, please just, you know, check out the content. Um, I offer, I mean, I op- I'm open to, uh, people critiquing and giving feedback and, and all those things, just like what me and Andrew did today with one of my topics, you know, like this is all about sharing the truth and God has given us his truth and he wants us to share it. Okay. So that's, that's what I do. I, um, I'm going to definitely, uh, like we said earlier with the forgiveness and everything, definitely go back and do some, you know, do some more digging, you know, because that's what it's all about. Just iron sharpening iron. And so I'm trying to build a community around prescribed truth. So I would love for you guys to, to be a part of that community as well with me. All right. And folks, next week, I, I'm going to be working on a couple of different things. I know that I hope that last week's episode encouraged you as we went through the book, uh, the chapter in Colossians, very uh, encouraging passage, which just lifts Christ on high and his supremacy. And so that is something that I hope encouraged you. And I do plan on, I got to get some, as I'll be headed out to, uh, by the time this drops, I'll probably be on my way back from Texas as I'll be out there for the weekend. But when I get back, I'm going to be scheduling some some different 
podcasts. Um, but I'm looking for different topics. If there's things you guys want me to discuss, things you want me to address, you can email me at info at strivingforeternity.org. That is info at strivingforeternity.org. Let me know what you want us to discuss on here. If you have guests you want me to bring on, let me know. We want to be some a podcast that is helping you. The more that we can address the issues you want addressed biblically, then the the better this podcast is serving you. And that's what we're our goal is here is to basically help you in getting biblical interpretations and applications to all things Christian living and cultural. And so let us know the issues that you might want for us to discuss. And until next time, remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.